My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 109 of The Kate Show. Guys, today we're talking about something that has landed in my inbox more than once recently. In fact, I've gotten questions about this from people on the west coast of the U.S. to India. And first of all, I'm so flattered that people from other countries listen to this podcast. I recently found out that we are reaching around 10 to 12 different countries. So that's exciting and awesome. And you know, it's also fascinating for me as a marketer to know that the home professionals in the U.S. and home professionals internationally, honestly, you guys all have the same struggles. And I'm hoping that today we will be able to knock out some really big concerns and issues that you might have if you are operating a store or a studio or some other brick and mortar location that requires customer foot traffic. So today I'm going to be sharing with you four ways you can get people into your showroom, your store, and really do it strategically so that you're not just staffing that store, twiddling your thumbs, and hoping that someone walks through the door. Because as you know, traffic is kind of like social media followers. It's okay if you have a lot, but unfortunately that doesn't mean those people are going to buy anything from you. So you have to make sure that you are attracting the right type of foot traffic. And there are different ways you can go about doing that. Some of the biggest ways include paid advertising. But as you guys know, I'm not really a huge fan of paid advertising as a first line of defense. I prefer to use that as an accent or a little cherry on top of the otherwise pretty robust marketing sundae. And now that I want ice cream after that really lengthy analogy, let's just dive right in. Now, I know that a lot of you have concerns when it comes to getting that foot traffic in your store and you think potentially that unfortunately your business is about to be eclipsed by the online business market or online stores. However, that's not actually the case because this era of prolific online business simply means that an offline business needs to have an online presence. So don't worry because I'm going to explain how all of this works and exactly what you need to do in this episode. I'm also going to show you how you can monetize your location in a few outside the box ways, as well as generate some basic PR for yourself. So let's dive right in. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Before I dive into exactly how you can increase the right foot traffic to your store, we do need to establish some ground rules, some best practices, and really, honestly, just some foundational things. And a lot of it might sound like common sense, but I do want to spell it out because maybe you haven't looked at your location objectively in a long time, and now is a great time to do that. So let's just go through a few different questions and i want you to ask yourself these i want you to discuss it with your team if you think that would be beneficial because if you don't have these things right it doesn't matter what else you do you will not get good results in regard to foot traffic marketing sales revenue profit margin anything like that okay so here's the first question are you personally proud of the way your store looks both inside and out or couldn't your store potentially benefit from some styling or staging or renovation even You really need to look at your space objectively. And while you might be leasing a space and you can't really do a whole lot as far as remodeling, you already know the power of styling, 
or staging or even just a little redesigning or simple rearranging. So make sure that you're using your skill set to the fullest in making sure that your space inside and out actually reflects the type of work that you do. Then the next question really goes along with that. Is the exterior clean and attractive? So I'm talking, are the windows clean? Does all the lighting work properly? Is the signage up to date or is it faded and gross looking? Is the main entrance easy to access? I mean, these are all really important things because if you don't offer good access to your building, you really can't expect people to even want to go in there. The next question is, do you offer accessible parking, not just street parking? Now, again, you may not have full control over this, but it's actually a huge selling point if you do have good parking. Now, that's not a good enough reason for someone to necessarily walk into your store, but it makes it a heck of a lot easier for them to do that. As well as going along with the next question, do you have a proper updated branded signage? You know, I see a lot of times that companies will rebrand, but they only halfway rebrand. They don't update their storefront signage. And if you've got like custom lettering on your windows and it no longer matches your brand, you have to get that redone. I know it might be a big expense, but you absolutely have to. Otherwise, you're not going to look professional. You'll look outdated or scattered or really eclectic. And that's often not the image we want to go for. All right, so the last one is completely practical and it is, are your hours of operation clearly listed? And do those hours make sense for your target client? So if your target client is someone who has a full-time job, you'll want to make sure you have hours on the weekend or evening or whenever they're going to be able to actually walk into your store. But on the flip side, if your target client is someone who takes off every weekend and simply isn't around or interested in walking into a store, then you better have more hours of availability during the week. So let's dive in a little bit more to uh, each of these questions because at face value, you might run through them and be like, check, 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 we're all good here, there's no problem. But there is a problem. It is so hard for us to look at anything that we own objectively, whether it's our website or our social media or our storefronts. And that's why people ask third parties for help. So let's just start at the top. The aesthetic and vibe of your storefront. That your store or your studio should be memorable because of how it makes people feel when they enter. It should really create a lasting impression, from offering a glass of lemonade to them on a hot day or coffee on a cold one, to providing elegant, comfortable seating where the bored husband can relax while their wives shop, because P.S. this is my husband. It's really smart for you to go the extra mile wherever you can to create a really great experience for everyone. Now, the interior of your store should be as attractive as the exterior, which means that you should do things like ensure the traffic flow makes sense and avoid overcrowding your space with too many items. I mean, whenever I'm in a store that has too many items, I automatically think thrift store, thrift store, because that's how thrift stores are. They just pack as much crap as possible in those places, and then you're left hours digging through everything and hoping you'll find something good, and then maybe you just leave. You don't want to be that way, but you also don't want to have so few items that you just look sparse. And I think you do know where the balance is because you wouldn't be in this business if you didn't have a good eye for things like that. The next thing you need to do is install extra LED lighting. Now, I'm not just saying swap out your current lighting. I'm saying add more lighting. Why? Well, poorly lit spaces look dingy and dated and sketchy, and you don't want it to be any of those things. You also want to make sure that you maximize natural lighting whenever possible. Maybe you'll need to use mirrors or the different window treatments. You know what to do. You'll also need to provide places for conversation. Like I said earlier, the bored husband scenario. Even if you're just putting up a few cocktail tables, I mean, that's better than nothing. 
make sure that no matter what you're putting on your designer hat or your stager hat and that you're making the aesthetic of your space flow seamlessly from one area of the store to the next. Now, the last tip I have for you as far as aesthetics go is avoid offering too many sales or promotions. And especially if you have those like sale signs or banners, because unfortunately that will just make you look cheap or worse, it'll make you look desperate and that will attract bargain hunters into your store. And that's really not what you're after. So ideally, the inside and outside of your showroom should attract a high quality clientele. And in order to do that in 2020, you should also have what I would call an Instagrammable feature, such as a brick and ivy wall on the outside or a staged photo backdrop on the inside, like think red carpet style or your favorite Instagram influencer and the type of background they often use in their photos. You see, people are going to see your location as a great place to take photos and they might stop by just for that reason and then end up tagging your business on social media. That makes for some awesome free PR, even if those people never bought anything from you, because now they're actually just promoting you for you and you didn't have to pay them a dime. All right, that aside, we need to talk about the HR department of your store. So from a human relations standpoint, you'll need to make sure you're performing an audit of yourself and your team every few months. You'll need to ensure that you and your team aren't dissuading return customers. And I have a short list that you can run through when you are trying to figure out where you could potentially improve. The first one is don't try to upsell people unless it actually benefits them. Otherwise, it comes across offensive and it really shows that you aren't listening to their needs or wants. You need to be available to help customers find what they need, but don't hover. That makes them feel rushed and nervous. And that one is actually just from my personal experience. I can't focus on figuring out what I want or what I like if I've got a salesperson hovering over my shoulder. Ugh, it's like the worst feeling. So that's my second tip. Now my third tip for you is ensure that you have at least one really competent and knowledgeable person on staff at all times because you're going to get a customer or two that really is interested in buying something from you, but they have questions. And if those questions can't be answered correctly and efficiently the first time around, you're going to get one of those big box store reputations. You know those stores where they just hire people off the street, they don't provide training, but they throw them in the paint department. Yeah, that happened to me in college. I knew nothing about paint, but I was supposed to tell people all about it. Yeah, so make sure you're avoiding that. The next tip I have for you is strike up a conversation with your customers about something unrelated to what you're selling. This helps build rapport and it puts them at ease. So it doesn't mean that you're awkward about it, but you could just be like, hey, oh, how old is your little one? Or how long have you lived in the area? You know, just be a normal human being. My final tip for you in this category is to ensure all your staff members are dressed impeccably. If you need to enforce a dress code, do it. It's okay. I know there are a lot of people who are all about casual Friday or casual every day, but when you are trying to create a great first impression and leave a lasting image on people, you actually need to take that seriously. Nobody wants to buy high-end furniture or custom window treatments from a salesperson who's wearing yoga pants and high heels. Trust me, guys, that actually happens. So make sure you audit yourself and your team so that you guys are leaving the right impressions. Moving on, we're going to be talking about how to make your store easy to find online and offline. I'll be sharing other tips that are completely outside the box. You might think it's weird, but guys, if you want to make some money on the side with your space, you can. So I'm going to share exactly how. Stay tuned. Okay guys, we need to hold on for just a minute because I have a really important question to ask you. How are you planning to grow your business this year? Do you have a plan for getting new clients? 
Do you panic when your word of mouth referral sources dry up? It's time to take a proactive approach to growing your business with the Window Coverings Association of America. The WCAA specializes in helping upholsterers, window treatment workrooms, and interior designers build businesses that last. They offer ongoing education on topics such as business, profitability, marketing, window treatment design, upholstery techniques, and more. If you want a business that can withstand the economic ups and downs and still support your family, you need the WCAA. Go to WCAA.org to learn more about becoming a member. And P.S. to everyone else listening who might want to partner with or advertise with the WCAA. There's a place for you too. Go to WCAA.org and click on the Industry Partners page. It's shocking, really. Did you know that only 44% of local retailers are actually using their Google business listing? I read that on LSAinsider.com and I was truly shocked because having a Google business listing just makes sense if you want Google to help people find you. So my question for you guys is, are you using your listing? If you completely set it up, add your photos, your hours, and your other locations, you are going to find yourself showing up in search results so much easier and without having to pay for it. When someone Googles interior design studio near me or home stager near me or window treatment store near me, there is no reason why your Google business listing shouldn't be showing up. So doing this is going to help Google work for you in the background, placing you on Google Maps and listing you and your business in the recommended or nearby destinations. Now to properly set up your Google business listing, I actually do have a five-step process in the show notes for this episode. I'm just going to give you the verbal brief rundown here. So you're going to go to google.com forward slash business and complete every section of your profile and list any locations you might have because if you have more than one location, you should not set up multiple Google business listings. They actually state that you shouldn't do that. You can just put your multiple locations in one listing and then Google will take it from there. The next thing you'll need to do is take attractive photos of your interior and exterior. And if you aren't confident in your photo taking ability, I suggest you just hire a photographer. And then when you get those photos, upload them to your listing. You'll also need to ask past customers to write reviews on your listing and then respond to each review, thanking the reviewer or commenting on their feedback. Now, to make your location easy to find for people who don't use Google Maps, you'll need to ask your city, municipality, or county about placing extra signage along popular streets or highways. So this can get into the overhead category, but it also can be worth it. If you have the budget, consider placing a well-designed billboard ad along a popular high-traffic road. Now, I will say that while digital billboards are fancy, I do recommend using the old-fashioned billboard with that static image. Digital billboards might be more affordable, but they also mean your ad will be competing with the other ads that land before and after it. And besides, I'm honestly not sure why digital billboards are even a thing. They are so distracting to drivers. It's just weird, guys. I I don't recommend it. But that aside, since that is a big overhead item, I wanted to balance it out with a really out-of-the-box way for you to make money in your space. And that's why I'm going to be talking about hosting events in your space and then also renting out your extra space for events. So let's start out with hosting an event in your space. If you've been an interior designer for any length of time, you're probably familiar with the concept of holding lunch and learns or other educational events for homeowners. The thing is, these types of events aren't often well attended, so instead use event types of this nature a little bit more sparingly, and only when you have something incredibly interesting to offer. 
Now, in their place, what you could do is this. Partner with a local winery, brewery, or bakery and host a taste and tour event. Don't run a sale or have a sales-driven agenda for this event. Simply collaborate with another local business to offer a fun evening out for your mutual target client. You'll need to partner with someone new every month or every other month to keep your list of events interesting. And by the way, this is also going to help you nurture your connections with other local business owners, which can only help you. All right, so now let's talk about the other really weird part of this. Did you know you could actually rent out your space for different events? You might have a larger space than you need. You might have a space that people could use for private parties, or you might have a conference room you could rent out. You can really think outside the box here. So on the flip side of hosting your own events, just let the average person or fellow business owner rent out your extra space for baby showers, bachelorette parties, meetings. Make your rental area attractive. So again, think Instagram worthy and let people bring in food or caterers while you provide tables and seating and, of course, an elegant ambiance. Use your location and aesthetic as selling points and charge premium rates for half and full day events. And don't allow events that would actually diminish the value of your space, such as rowdy kids' birthday parties or, you know, really, really wild bachelorette parties. Your event space should be ideal for adult-only events from just the personal bridal shower to a business luncheon. Now, to make your space a more in-demand venue, I do have, of course, a few tips for you. Okay, I'm just kidding. I actually have eight step-by-step processes for you to follow because I love processes. You know that. Okay, so number one, set up your space for a party, complete with decor, and take professional photos. You can use those photos as you market the space. This is going to help prospective hosts see the potential that your space has. Number two, list the maximum guest count allowed. This is really important. You want people to understand exactly how many guests they could fit in your space. Then number three, list the ideal event types you're set up to accommodate. So maybe you don't want to host bachelorette parties. Maybe you only want to provide space for bridal showers and baby showers. It's totally up to you. Number four, provide a list of caterers that you recommend and then contact those caterers to let them know that you'd love to be a recommended venue for their clients. It's pretty smart, right? You're helping out another local business. Number five, create a separate Google business listing for your event space, because quite honestly, it's a totally different type of business. Number six, create a page on your website with booking information, scheduling, and photos. And that leads into number seven, use Calendly on your website to let potential hosts schedule initial tours of your space and actual events. You can even require payment upon booking, all with Calendly. You can also use Acuity or probably a whole bunch of other schedulers, but I personally use Calendly for all my scheduling and booking, and it's really, really easy. Number eight, list your event space on peerspace.com. This will let other businesses and professionals know that your space is available. It's kind of like Airbnb for business events, and this is a great way to make some aside money if all you have is a conference room to rent out. You don't have actual party space. Don't discredit your conference room. Make it beautiful and then rent it out. So guys, these strategies for increasing foot traffic to your store are both basic and a little wild. I want you to note that none of them rely on Google ads or social media boosted posts or anything that's too millennial. There's something to be said for more traditional ways of marketing and advertising, and I don't want you to overthink your methods. I just want you to put yourself in your customer's position. What other interests do they have that could lead them, even indirectly, to your store? What events would entice them? What factors would deter them? Are you offering too many types of products in your store? Is it confusing? Are you just trying to be the big box store instead of the high-end specialized boutique? All these things factor into the quality and quantity 
of your foot traffic. So be objective, look at your space, look what you're offering, and don't be afraid to either offer something new or more than likely, just stop offering so much. Remember, specialize, specialize, specialize. Niche is rich, whether you have an online business or an offline store. All right, guys, that is all I have for you for today. If you have questions about this episode, I would love if you would join my Facebook group, Marketing for Home Pros. We are in there talking about all sorts of things marketing every week. And if you have a question you would like to ask me directly, you can do it there. Or you can head over to thekatejoepodcast.com, katethesocialite.com, or socialitevault.com. You have so many different ways you can connect with me, and I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com, where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.